Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, uh, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean, dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? It is Monday. We have made it through most of week five. We've got one game tonight, and of course, one game tomorrow as <laughs> well. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna be optimistic that that game's gonna happen tomorrow. I know they did have zero positive tests today. Hopefully that happens again tomorrow. We'll be able to get through week five and uh, move on to week six. Matt, how you doing on this beautiful Monday? Better than Dak's ankle. Oh, I know, man. I feel so bad. Like it's so. I don't even know what to say. Like I, I've always. I feel weird talking about it because I know people know that I like to trash on the Cowboys and everything, but it, that was just that's, that was hard to watch, man. I'm not someone who's yeah. good watching that stuff to begin with, and then watching like as soon as it happened, I knew because I was watching. Um, I was flipping back and forth between uh, that and the Browns game, and at that point that that happened, the Browns game was kind of getting close to being secure. They made it a little interesting late, but the, they looked like they were going to pretty much win that game. And so they had gone to a timeout or something. Um, it was right around the two minute drive. For, yeah. Dearness Johnson had just made the big run to kind of, in my opinion, I thought the Browns had kind of sealed it on that run. They, they had sealed, they'd got the big third down run, went to the two minute warning. They were already in field goal range. So I was like, all right, as long as they don't turn the ball over, they're going to beat the Colts. So I kind of flipped over to the Cowboys games. I have a lot of Darius Slayton and Zeke in some games and I, and, and a lot of my teams was like, all right, let's see what happens. And then I watched that happen. I was just like, Oh my God, man. Like, 
you don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish that on Lamar Jackson, and I hate the Ratbirds. Like, you don't wish that on anybody and then everything else going on with, with Dak and his contract and all that stuff. Like, we'll, we'll talk more about it, but, yeah, that that, that was rough. I was uh, so bummed out that even though uh, my Lakers were in the basically championship game and there was a Sunday night football game and all kinds of prestige TV on Sunday night, Lindsay was like, hey, uh, our show came back, 90 Day Fiance, the other way. And I'm like, I need this right now. Yeah. I need this. Yeah, yeah it was a, a rough day for, for Cowboys fans and DAC owners alike. We will obviously get to that game here in a minute. Let's start with uh, another game that I shouldn't say ended a career, ended someone's job at least <laughs> yesterday. Uh, Panthers win 23 to 16 for Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater, 20 points. Mike Davis, 29. Robbie Anderson, 19. And DJ Moore, 19. Do you think that Mike Davis has done enough to, to secure a role coming back uh, with CMC possibly coming back? I did see a report that he is testing out his ankle this week. So there is, he can get pulled off IR before the game. Mm. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head who they play. But if he does come back, do you yeah. think Mike Davis has secured himself a role moving forward? Well, I tell you, he's testing his ankle so that he can come back because he's been watching Mike Davis. Well, he's been <laughs> yeah. Mike Davis has been really good. I uh, their offense has looked really good. I, you know, we've seen we saw last week um, Mike Davis put in a pretty great work, and then Reggie Bonifon get some get some time. I think you could be seeing something like that, Carolina you're going to lengthen out Christian McCaffrey's career and you're going to help yeah. him to be available. And when you're somebody's coming off a major ankle injury, if the giants last year had had anybody that had been able to step up, I think they would have liked to split for Barkley when he first came back too, because you know, then you can get your star easing back into it. You don't risk re-injury because um, those kind of things can happen. So I, I do think Davis is going to still have some kind of role. Is he going to be a primetime starter every week? No, that's probably, you know, he probably becomes a lower end flex. You'd have to see for a couple of weeks. I'd actually be the most nervous the week that McCaffrey comes back. I don't know how good I'd feel about playing either of them right away. Cause you have to see what the split's going to be like. And what is the offense going to be lo- like? We talked about last week. Carolina has looked a little bit better the last three weeks. I'm not saying McCaffrey's not a good player, but it looks like they kind of found a rhythm and they figured out a little bit of how they're playing together. And so, you know, they got their passing game going, which hadn't really been alive those first couple of games when McCaffrey's in there. I'm curious to see what happens when he comes back and adds into the mix. Maybe him being gone for a little bit was what they needed to kind of get going, get the new pieces acclimated, get to know the system a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be – I think the first game back, I would still probably feel safe playing Mike Davis because I don't know if they fully throw CMC out there to – I don't want to say to the Wolves. He, he's healthy if he's out there. They're not going to – with the way Mike Davis has been playing and the way that team has been playing, like you just mentioned, they're not going to push CMC out there if he's only 95%. I do think they'll wait till he's 100% because he Mike Davis has stepped up that well. I do want to apologize. If you hear my son coughing in the background or if I start coughing – we're getting over some stuff over here. So I, I'm trying my best to keep myself muted. Uh, what I'm more interested to see when CMC comes back is if this offense looks the same, we've kind of talked about it the past couple of weeks. They seem to spread the ball around more. You know, I, it's funny. I posted a tweet about this yesterday. If you've been listening to us throughout the offseason, I was telling you, I was really excited about this Panthers offense. Now 
I thought it was going to be DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Robbie Anderson has surprised, surprised the hell out of me. I did not expect this at all out of him. But this offense has looked really good. I'll be intrigued to see if it still looks this good when CMC comes back or if it is more of just CMC and Robbie Anderson. Now, I do think DJ Moore had a good game yesterday, but he's been kind of lackluster, I think, to be fair, uh, throughout most of the season. But yeah, I think at least with the first week he comes back, Davis will still be a good player. And then moving forward, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'd am i be hesitant to expect CMC to go back to being that for sure 1-1 at RB until we see if they do give the split. Because in the past, if this was Ron Rivera and that coaching staff, I would say Mike Davis is nothing once CMC comes back. But it is a different group, and they may not want to put all that workload on CMC after him being injured. So that, that will be something interesting to watch. For Atlanta side, Matt Ryan, six points, Gurley, 25, Calvin Ridley, 21, and Hayden Hurst, just two points. As we saw Julio Jones sat out in this one. Is Gurley becoming a reliable play for you? He's been uh, majorly involved this past two weeks and scoring a lot of touchdowns, which I think is really saving his fantasy relevance. Yeah, really. It really seems like their pass offense has cooled off. You know, yesterday, uh, the great Oz was a uh, trendy pickup, especially with Julio Jones sitting out, and he gave you, I think, 1.9 points. Russell Gage has kind of disappeared. Hurst really hasn't gotten involved. It was basically Ridley yesterday and Gurley, and Gurley was actually the one that picked up the slack on Monday night when they were trying to make it close and trying to stay up with Green Bay. He's looked pretty good. Um, you know, and it is right about the time maybe he it's just took him a, a few games to acclimate into the system and to get going and for them to figure out how to use him as a weapon because Atlanta didn't have a lot in terms of a, a running game last year and they haven't had a lot, you know, the past couple of years. Um, but I think he looks like he's, you know, he's run with some power. He's had some nice moves in the times that I've seen him out there. So I, I think it's a good sign moving forward. Um, Atlanta probably also is looking at the fact that their defense isn't incredible, which is why I found it moderately ironic that they fired Dan Quinn and promoted the defensive coordinator to be the interim head coach. Um, it's like the blind leading the handy capable, but for Atlanta chewing up the clock, slowing the game down is probably going to help everything. And their pass offense doesn't really look in sync and doesn't look very good right now. Their blocking doesn't look very good right now. So I think Gurley helps a multitude of things for them. Yeah, I was trying to look. I can't remember who, um, what, what his name was. Raheem, uh, Raheem I wanna, Morris, I, I think. Morris, there we go. Because every time I say Raheem Mostert, automatically pops up in my head, yeah. and I knew that wasn't it. And uh, he was head coach for the Bucks at one. Yeah, time. that's what I was gonna say. I assume that it was gonna come down to him or Dirk Cutter, who were both at one point head coaches for for the mm -hmm. Buccaneers. Uh, yeah. That, that's I think we found but... Dan Dan Quinn's problem. Yeah, bad, coaching. Bad, bad assistant coaches. Yeah, yeah, I, w I wouldn't doubt that. Well, I mean, I guess their offense hasn't looked that much better in the last few weeks. It just it made me laugh because yeah. arguably one of the biggest knocks against Quinn that kind of was the final straw is not just that they weren't winning, but that he took ownership of the defense and the defense looks lost. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what uh, I know. I saw. 
uh, man, I can't focus now. Arthur Blank. I was going to say Mr. Quinn. It's Arthur Blank. Uh, came out and uh, said that that was part of the thing is like they would get these leads and then the team just wouldn't be disciplined enough to hold on to them. And it kept bringing up that Super Bowl loss, which kind of led them down toward uh, eventually making the move. Uh, for me, Gurley, I think for where you likely drafted him, he is reliable, especially if he's going to keep getting these touchdowns. You know, that's what they talked about when they brought him on this team was that they wanted him to be kind of that goal line back. So as long as he keeps getting you those touchdowns, he's going to be fantasy viable for you. And at this point in the season that we're in, where you don't know what game could possibly get postponed for another week, you know, who's going to get an unscheduled buy. Like we saw the Patriots and Broncos now get this past week injuries and everything. I think, Gurley's one of those guys where it's weird to say he's he's kind of been reliable. And so as your RB2, I'm cool with it. I think for me, I'm I'm more interested to see what this offense and what this just team in general is going to look like now moving forward. Is this going to become a team where, you know, I, I feel weird saying this because Dan Quinn was obviously a defensive-minded head coach as well, but, you know, is, is Raheem going to come in and be more of a, hey, we're going to run the ball, we're going to establish the run and play good defense, or is it going to be – Matt Ryan continuing to air it out because really the first two games of the season when Matt Ryan was putting up all these points, it turns out that, well, Seattle and Dallas's defenses are just that bad that maybe that's why Matt Ryan was putting up points and maybe not how good this offense is. Or is it something because Julio was injured last week and didn't play at all this week? Is that the biggest issue? Like, there's so many more questions I have about this offense than anything else. Like I think the only Hayden one, Hurst. Oh God, don't get me started on that man. Like it's I don't. Again, I was not in on him, and I let other people talk me into taking him in drafts, and it's it's driving me crazy. But I think for me, the only player Ridley is really the only one I feel comfortable starting every week now. Like Julio, obviously, if Julio plays, but even that with his injury and the hamstring, like ah, it's just but even. Even Ridley, man, you know, week four. Yeah, last week. should have been a, a prime matchup. Zero, and it's like they weren't even looking his way. It just – there's something dysfunctional, and I'm not willing to yeah. say that firing Dan Quinn was the solution to all that, but yeah. Gurley has seemed to have a safe floor. I don't – I think if you're expecting like 2017, 2018 Todd Gurley, that's not probably coming back, but he has looked to have a pretty safe and decent floor. Yeah, and I would say I'm even worried about Ryan at this point because. Yeah, a couple of prime numbers in one of my leagues where I lost uh, Dak. Yeah. Matt Ryan is my option now. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't feel very good about that at all. I think no. it's, yeah, it's it's not looking oh, good. Dak. And as you mentioned, Hurst, Hay- Hayden Hurst is dead to me. He is dead to no, me. I would bad. rather play, I'd, I'd rather play Chris Herndon. Well, and in well, fairness. And Gage looked really good for a couple weeks. Yeah. And I thought with Julio out or even o- OZ, you know, Zach- Zacchaeus, he looked really good the week before. There's just not consistency. I think that's yeah. the probably the thing that's the scariest. Gurley is consistently getting touches. When you're relying on somebody to distribute the ball who he, you know, it looked like he didn't always have a lot of time, which also has yeah. to be disconcerting because Carolina is not renowned for their defense right now. Not at all. Um, one of the more surprising games in this one, the Las Vegas Raiders pulling the upset on the Chiefs, 42-32. On the Raiders' side, Derek Carr gets 23 points, Josh Jacobs, 22, Henry Ruggs, 19, Nelson Aguilar, 14, and Darren Waller, 15. 
Aguilar has been really good the past three weeks. Obviously, two of those rugs was not in. He comes back this week, though, and Aguilar still looks like to be one of their deep targets as well, not just with rugs. Is he becoming a decent deep league flex option for you? Yeah, because I think, you know, obviously Edwards has been out too, but I think when Edwards comes back, they had talked a lot in the preseason about shifting rugs down into the slot to get mismatches. Uh, you know, and that that had been the place where people had assumed if Ruggs and Edwards and some of those guys stayed outside that Hunter Renfro would do well. But we hadn't seen Hunter Renfro have exactly the same kind of magic he had last year. And they really Carr seems to have really found a connection with Aguilar, which has to just be murdering Eagles fans right now who still have no wide receivers and are just seeing them out there catching balls, <laughs> scoring touchdowns yeah. for the Raiders. But I like the potential of him, Ruggs, and Edwards. I think that that actually might be a better receiving core than we thought they were going to have. Yeah, you know, I think with Aguilar, it's just one of those things where he just needed a new place. I think he just struggled so much with Philly. We've seen that before where these guys move on because he's only been in the league. I think this is his third year, maybe fourth off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly. I think it's but, fifth, fifth year. Oh, is it fifth year? Yeah, four-year rookie contract. I didn't even think he'd been with the Eagles that long. Wow. I, I really thought he had, he had only been in the league for a couple of years, but maybe it's just one of those things that he just, he needed to to go to a new team to kind of produce. I mean, I, you know, I've talked about, I've been using him in a couple of my deep leagues lately because I've had to based on certain injuries and everything. So I think obviously, you know, we say deep league flex option, depending on the, the, the amount of roster spots and everything in the, the players that you're starting. I do think that he is a good option. So, every uh, week. This is his sixth year. Philly picked up wow. his fifth year option. He was drafted. I did in not. I did not realize he had been in the league that long. Wow. Yeah, and he actually in seventeen and eighteen he got sixty balls against uh, almost a hundred targets in both seasons. So, I you know he might be a little maligned for what he was, and obviously that was yeah. kind of their big free agent receiver signing this year. Um, so there was something about it that John Gruden saw that he liked, and he does seem to be a decent fit uh, when you get we have those two rookies. So they 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 looked pretty good yesterday. Yeah, they did. They they really did. On uh, Kansas City side here, Mahomes twenty nine points, Ceh eleven, Travis Kelsey eighteen. I'm sorry, Tyree Kill eighteen, and Travis Kelsey twenty four. Is it time to lower expectations on CEH? He seems to be producing more as a middle RB2. Yeah, and that's I kind of feel better probably having him in the the running back 15 to 20 range uh, right now because I think we got pulled in a little bit because of Kansas City being a high-volume offense. Um, you know, we saw weeks last year or at times where Damian Williams had some pretty, pretty big numbers, but overall their running backs, the outside of Kareem Hunt, haven't really had those incredible weeks. And, you know, the opening game, which Houston has shown throughout the rest of the season, they've been very generous on defense, uh, at times it looked like, oh man, he's just going to kill it in here. But he's really come back to earth the last four games, and I think he's kind of settling into where it's going to be. They are a big passing offense, and they're going to spread around. Sometimes you get Watkins. Sometimes you get Hardman. They seem to be consistently feeding Hill and Kelsey. And we talked about you know a little bit of the goal line inefficiency week one. When they had a goal line 
rushing play yesterday, they did an end around Tyreek Hill. They're not a conventional offense where you know they're just going to line up in a power eye. That's never really been Andy Reid's thing. So there will be games where he gets you 30 points, but there's probably going to be a lot more games where he gets you 10 to 15 points. Yeah, and I mean, again, that was my contention all along. And I think both of you and Dennis were both, we all three of us were on that train. None of us were sitting there, you know, talking about CEH being a, a RB1 this year. I know a lot of people really in on that, especially in redraft season, and we talked about it, but that was the thing. I, I kept bringing up, as you just mentioned, not only is this a heavy passing offense, it's a very explosive offense. And when you get that huge play to Tyreek or to Travis Kelsey or Miko Hardman, Sammy Watkins, whomever, that completely takes an entire drive away from CEH being able to do anything. They Everybody liked to talk about Kareem Hunt, but as I've talked about, when Kareem Hunt did what he did, Patrick Mahomes was not the starting quarterback. It was Alex Smith where they did not take the shots down the field like they do with Patrick Mahomes. So CEH is still very good, and I agree with you. He's going to get you those 30-point games. Probably He's going to get you more. He's going to finish as an RB1 probably close to half the time on the season, maybe a little less. It's not like he's only going to get you RB1 numbers two or three times a year. He has the ability because of the offense that he plays in, but I'm with you. I think more often than not, he's probably going to be right between that 13 to 15 range, which is not bad. That's still great value. It's just not a, when I say this redraft-wise, redraft-wise, he was not worth a first-round pick, in my opinion. That, yeah. That's kind of where we were all, and I know you so had it's being drafted as a top five running back. I just don't think yeah. you're going to get that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with you. That's why I said that in redrafts, I was never going to get him because he was getting now rookie drafts. I understand it. Rookie drafts. That's completely different. But when we talked about all our redraft stuff, you know, we were talking about in, in I remember in my league, I think he went as the fourth running back off the board. It was Saquon. Um, no, CMC went for a CMC Saquon. I took Zeke and then CEH went at four. And I'm like, see, for me, granted, he ended up getting hurt. I'd have rather had Dalvin. I would. I mean, Mixon has sucked, but earlier I was like, I'd have rather had Mixon at that point during the redraft season because I just I did not think the ceiling was as high for CEH as others did. On uh, the next game, the Cardinals win 30-10 against the Jets. On Arizona's side, Kyler Murray, 26 points, Chase Edmonds, 20, Kenyon Drake, 13, and DeAndre Hopkins, 25. What are your thoughts on the RB situation here? Drake is getting a lot more snaps and has got is out there more consistently 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 but Edmund seems to be producing more yeah I saw the uh Tom Clissenberry posted the chart today and I was kind of surprised based on the production that we've seen Drake's still continuing to get two-thirds of the snaps pretty much every game including yesterday he's had really favorable matchups the last two weeks one week he put up 33.5 points yesterday he did a little bit better um got a touchdown I think he's probably a touchdown-dependent flex. Chase Edmonds probably is the same right now with the splits that they're doing. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. He's, you know, all in all honesty, kind of like what we just talked about with Todd Gurley. He's he's touchdown to pay. He's going to save your day if he gets that touchdown. Outside of that, he's probably not going to do much for you. It's one of those things where you obviously never hope for an injury or anything like that, but I do think if Drake were to get hurt or Edmonds would get hurt, one of these guys would be an RB1 the rest of the year because they're going to get the volume and do enough. I don't but know about Drake. Man, it just I think, seems like he is getting the volume right now, which is the real disappointment. I would be curious if they flipped 
volume yes. if Edmonds would be a better play. Because right now, that was what surprised me about the chart, even though Edmonds is seemingly making a lot more of his opportunities. Uh-huh. He's still he's not getting a rise in snaps even yesterday. I'm not sure if Edmonds gone that Drake's an RB1, but I would be curious to see what Edmonds could do. Interesting. I, I still like Drake. I, I think he could. I, I feel well, I, I, I haven't looked at that chart. So yeah. you, you'd be the one to tell me. I just feel like from watching the games and again, I'm, I'm flipping through multiple games. So I'm not watching the whole thing. To me, it seems like Edmonds is getting more of the passing work than Drake is. Is that true? Or is that just kind of Edmonds, like you just said, is making more of those plays. So it's not as noticeable when Drake does it. I, I think he's getting more of the targets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, I was what I was looking at was um, they had posted the snaps. I'm going to see if I can find the the snap chart. I just, I it's to me, it's still the strangest um, franchise tag in the world because when they franchise tagged him, it seemed like that was an indication that hey, you know, we really want this guy. We think he's he's going to be a big part of what we want to do, but we're just not seeing. You know, and you're right, they aren't targeting him. It seems like they are using Edmonds there, but that's a big part of it. Would his targets go up? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's kind of where my thing is with Drake is last year, that's what we saw him really thrive on, though. Like, I remember in the Browns game, like, yeah, he got two rushing touchdowns, but I think the other two were both receiving touchdowns last year. Like, he just. He did a lot of work in the receiving game. That's kind of always been his thing, even in Miami. He's not a great runner. He's just not, but he is really good in the receiving game. So and I think Edmonds Cardinals is getting that work. Snaps. Cardinals weekly snaps. Kenyon Drake, 58 week one, 50 week two, 44 week three, 37 week four, 50 yesterday. Edmonds. 28 week one, 27 week two, 21 week three, 21 week four, and 34 yesterday. Gotcha. So it's it's like a two-thirds, one-third split. It's just seeming like maybe it's because they're targeting Edmonds more. Uh, maybe it's just because he's been more productive. Um, that's the part that's a little hard to tell. Yeah, and like I said, it doesn't also help that Arizona's offensive line is as bad as it is, and that's kind of where I think – Again, the targeting thing may come in, but I mean, you know, you're right. You could be 100% right on if Drake were the one that get hurt, Edmonds would come in because we've seen Edmonds do that. He was the guy that we all picked up last year when uh, when David Johnson got hurt and he had the two good games and then they brought Drake. But it wasn't over, so. the game that he first, that he first yeah. came in. Everyone started him and was a dud and then you yeah. take him out and he goes He off. goes out there and balls out, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's... um. For me, it's just one of those backfields that it sucks because of the way that they're using both of them. Almost like, a, I mean, I don't want to compare this because both of them were producing, but it's almost like the having Chubb and Hunt in Cleveland. You know, you were saying, that, man, if it was just Chubb, he'd be so much better if it was just Hunt. Both of them, though, were, you know, producing, luckily, for Cleveland or the people who own them for the Cleveland Browns. On the Jet side here, we uh, we talked about last week, Sam Darnold missed due to the shoulder injury. Flacco plays, uh, gets 13 points. Le'Veon Bell comes back, he gets seven. And James Crowder, 25 points. What were uh, what are your thoughts on Bell here? He looked good at times. 13 carries for 69 yards, but not a ton of volume or opportunity in this one. Yeah, it looked like he was having a good day running, 
putting up a decent yards per carry. Uh, doesn't get a ton of carries. He by far had the most snaps. Their offense just isn't very good, I guess. I mean, he's still the – he and Crowder are probably still the best skill position plays. But I think that hope of him being an RB2 to me is feels more like RB3. Yeah, I I mean I, I was kind of off him to begin the year as as we talked about. I'm not for me it's it's Crowder. Crowder's the only guy that I'm I mean, he's looked amazing in this offense. I am I'm I'm honestly kind of pleasantly surprised. I, I was not expecting him to look this good, but he's looked amazing. I'm hoping he doesn't get hurt anytime soon because yeah, I don't I, I think he's been awesome. Let's see here. Is not Matt's record in the round table listener league he posted up. Uh, that's the one on Sleeper, right? Yeah, we've talked about it. I don't really pay attention to my Sleeper League, so that's all right. How about that back row invitational, though, where someone put 100 points up on you last week? I won't say who. Yeah, uh, for Bell, we'll see what happens. I don't um, – I mean, I'm, I'm – until Gase is gone, I'm really not sure I, I really want to believe in Bell at all because – did you see the quotes that he's willing to give up play calling duties? He's willing to do anything it takes to help them win. So I'm curious if he'll actually, if he's willing to step down as head coach then as well, because he said he's willing to do anything. Yeah. I mean, I don't see exactly how that helps. Cause it seems like the one thing that uh, seems that you hear from Woody Johnson <laughs> is he's just such an offensive genius. So how does him giving up play calling, uh, help i'm not sure uh, i don't know either i you know i'm still surprised that two coaches were fired before him so next know, up that's, battle <laughs> that's his that's his super bowl right there yeah exactly uh the battle in philly the steelers win 38 to 29 carson went 17 points miles sanders 23 is it trey or troy fulgham i can't remember now i want to say it's troy fulgham i think it's travis Travis, golly, I would have probably yeah. Mr. Fulton. I'll look up his first name here in a minute. 31 I'm points sure and Zach Ertz. One point. It's the time to start fading Ertz. He has been cons- he's not it been Travis. producing. Travis, okay, Travis Fulton. He has not been producing so far. Only one out of or two out of five weeks with double digit points. What are you doing with Zach Ertz? Because at this point, I don't even know if you might be able to move him on name alone. But I don't even think you can do that. Dennis is coming. Um, yeah, I mean, Philly's offense looks really bad, and <laughs> in years, you know, in last year, it seemed like it was Goddard that was kind of eating into his volume. Goddard's been gone; he got yeah. hurt early in the second game. Ertz just doesn't look the same. Um, and you're right about you're not going to get the volume. You're not going to get the value for him for moving him. You also can't really afford probably not to start him because, you know, the minute you take him out, he's going to chase Edmonds you and give you three touchdowns or something. But it's definitely a bummer. Ertz in, in years past has been almost a league winner out of that position. He, for a long time, was in that kind of elite group of tight ends. And right now, he just hasn't looked like that. He's looked almost like the rest of the tight ends, and we just haven't seen the high top end performances either. Are you buying into Travis Fulgham at all? I mean, I thought I, I no. watched a lot of that game. No, 
I kind of no. Him. I mean, I the week before was Greg Ward. The week I, I think they're desperate for any wide receiver. I have to see that a few more times to really. I mean, he did he did well yesterday. That's that's great yeah. for him. But and if he keeps doing well, fine. But Phillies, it seems like they have the wide receiver pickup off the street du jour the last couple yeah. of weeks, and nothing's really stuck. You know, can he does he get the same volume uh, and looks if Deshaun Jackson is available? I mean, Jackson, Jeffrey, Rager, none of them have been available. What happens when they come back? I don't know that he's played well enough. We thought Greg Ward maybe because he had had some good games like that at the end of last season and then came out and had another good one. And yesterday was like the missing man. So I just yeah. does not feel like there's consistency there. Yeah, I, I I thought he made a lot of really good catches yesterday. I mean, he's someone who likely we don't know when Rager is going to be back. As Dennis just mentioned here, we know it's not going to be JJ Ortega Whiteside. He's just not done anything. You know, Greg Ward really hasn't. I mean, he's been out there the past two games, but he hasn't done much. Carson Wentz has got to throw it to somebody, and it's not Ertz anymore, apparently. So full. I mean, Fulgham. We'll we'll talk more about it. Does tomorrow, he have to obviously. throw it to somebody? The last two weeks before oh, this, you know, he was content to run it in himself. So that is true. But I mean, now even the running game struggling. We had what is it? Um, after Trey Sanders, Trey Sanders, my goodness, Miles Sanders, seventy-four yard touchdown run yesterday. At that point, he had one rushing touchdown and seventy-three rushing yards because of the amount of negative rushing yards he had before that huge run. Like that offensive line has been so bad that I just, I think that might be why. Travis has been so good because he's just trying to get the ball out quickly. I don't know. He's a guy that we'll talk about tomorrow, obviously, because he's not owned anywhere. That uh, he might be a guy that I'd be willing to take a shot on because he's going to pass the ball to somebody and just doesn't look like it's Ertz or really anybody else. On Pittsburgh's side here, we saw Big Ben come in with 21 points, James Conner 15, Juju 6, Chase Claypool 42, and Eric Ebron 7. I do want to say thank you to Mr. Claypool because I was forced to start him in two leagues and he definitely came through for me on that end. But what are you expecting from him moving forward? You know, we saw Deontay Johnson get knocked out uh, really early in this game. I was like on the first or second drive. He only had six snaps. I know that because yeah. I played him in a lot of places as well. Traded a first round pick in Preston Williams for Deontay Johnson this weekend, which that worked wonderfully for me this weekend in my lineup. So I was appreciative of that. What are your thoughts about Claypool? Um, it'll be interesting to see. They were able to move him around a lot yesterday. Uh, I saw a couple of like those touchdowns. He got matched up on a linebacker, um, which, you know, just a huge mismatch down, down the center. Um, you know, I think even Claypool said at the end of yesterday's game, he doubts he's going to do that in a bunch of weeks because now they'll actually be looking for him, which is probably true, spreading, spreading the ball around. But I've, we've seen him be a guy they like to take shots with. And I think consistently you're going to have games where he gets one or two, probably not four. I mean, getting four big, you know, how many guys score four touchdowns in a game? If he played for the Cardinals after he scored the 49ers, after he scored those four touchdowns, they'd probably take him out of the next three games just to be safe. Because yeah. that seemed to happen to Tevin Coleman getting talked about as uh, in the same breath as Jerry Rice one week and uh, the missing man formation the next three. But I don't know. <laughs> if you can count on him every week, but it, it has been interesting. Ben's Ben looks pretty decent and he's been finding a lot of different receivers. 
it seems like for sure, you know, he's in that group with Johnson and Juju. And I think really what it would be is you have to pull. I, I don't know if any of them, you can be confident that they're going to be the guy. Someone's yeah. going to be the guy every week. Yeah, I think Juju's been, unfortunately, kind of disappointing. He had the two good games, hasn't done much really the past couple weeks. He's been okay, but not great. You know, Deontay Johnson had the one big week, got injured in one, got injured again uh, last week. I think the biggest thing this says to me is that Claypool is clearly past James Washington. I think Washington is kind of the guy clearly that's that's on his, on the outs here. I do think it's good thing, good for Pittsburgh moving forward. You got a guy that, you know, a lot of people questioned them taking him in the draft, thought he was going to be a tight end. Again, I think we learned our lesson. Stop questioning Pittsburgh when they draft wide receivers because they know what they're doing. Uh, I, I would honestly think this means more toward dynasty-wise at least. You know, I, in my opinion, I think it's Claypool and Johnson moving forward. You know, we haven't seen much of them talking about re-signing Juju. I don't know if they will or won't. Uh, but Claypool looked good, but I'm with, I, I don't know if you can trust it every single week, but I, I think he's kind of like Aguilar. We talked about earlier. He's one of those guys now that's going to be in consideration for one of my flex spots every single week, because now, you know, he has that opportunity to get you a touchdown or possibly even two every single week with the way that we know big Ben or Ben will be looking for him, especially with as bad as Ebron looked yesterday. I mean, he, he, almost, I think I can't remember if they called the second one back or not, but I know he had one fumble. And the other one was like a fumble slash interception. I think they called it back, but he just went yeah, back to did. his old uh, Detroit days of dropping the ball every time that it got thrown to him. So, yeah, I think yeah. the tight end position in Pittsburgh is going the way of non-existent, and that might be more of a Claypool role moving forward. Rams beat Washington 30-10 for the Rams. Goff 24 points, Henderson 21, Akers 6, Robert Woods 17, Cooper Cup 11, Tyler Higby 3, and Gerald Everett 13. Akers looked good in his return. Henderson was explosive and looked to kind of take that role back over after the weird week last week. Everett and Higby were splitting in this one. Is the Rams offense just a complete committee? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they used all three other running backs. They're using all their tight ends. They're using... Everybody, I think the hopes that Higby had kind of established himself as the top tight end the last two weeks, we've seen Everett be the one to get touchdowns. One as a rushing touchdown just to uh, annoy the uh, running back owners. Uh, it was nice to see Henderson. He got in as a rushing touchdown. He got in as a receiving touchdown. That was good. Nine carries, 63 yards for Akers. He looked good when they gave him the ball. Brown wasn't too bad either. To me, I think Henderson and Akers are probably the ones I feel the safest with moving forward. Ask me again next week. It could be somebody completely different, but that's yeah. – I think the ceiling for any of them is going to be capped, and same thing for Higby. And because they're bouncing around using running backs and tight ends, it to me is capping the ceiling for the receivers too yeah. because you, you see one or both of the receivers have a great day, then the running back and the tight end doesn't. Or if one receiver has a great day, one doesn't, and there's a running back and a tight end, they they have a good offense, but they can't all have good days. This is what we've seen before. And they don't have the clarity of like a Chiefs where Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes are probably going to get theirs, and then maybe the running back. The Rams, you know, it could be Woods and Higby. It could be Cup and Everett. It could be Henderson and Everett. It could be, you know, 
they have too many guys that are, and it's a great problem for them to have as a team, but it's not great for us. Yeah, I mean, I think the only person you probably feel good about at that point is Goff because he's going to likely, especially if he's throwing it to the running backs, uh, he's going to be in the, end up getting a lot of points. I think for me, you're still starting Woods and Cup pretty much every week just because they have so much upside. Like, yeah, I agree, it caps their ceiling, but they they have a ton of upside. The tight ends and running backs, yeah, that's where you're just you're going to have a headache every single week, especially if you own multiple. If if you own Acres and Henderson or Brown and Henderson, whatever, you're you're just kind of sitting there, be like, all right, who's it going to be this week? Flipping a coin and hoping for the best. But I I still think Woods and Cup are pretty safe, man. It does suck because it does seem like Woods, which we kind of talked about a lot in the offseason, how he never seems to get the respect, has seemed to have been outproducing Cup for the most part this year again. Uh, but I'm sure now that I say that Cup's going to go on like a string of like three straight weeks of like 20 plus points and then Woods will bounce up. It, it's just, yeah, it's very, very frustrating and confusing. I think the running back tight end, you know, if they're mixing them into things, hurts Cup more than it hurts Woods. I agree because Woods is the downfield target. Yeah, that's that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100% there. On Washington's side, uh, Kyle Allen gets nine points uh, before he gets uh, knocked out in this one. A head to head hit with Jalen Ramsey went into concussion protocol. We saw Alex Smith come in, he got one point in this one. Uh, Antonio Gibson, 10 points. JD McKissick, 10 points. Terry McLaurin, five. And Logan Thomas, one. Uh, so I think we noted we saw that uh, Washington didn't look much better without Dwayne Haskins being in there. Uh, don't think. Yeah, uh, I would say that it doesn't look like he's going to be starting again for them anytime soon. And the fact that reports came no. out that he is going to likely be traded. So yeah. What do you think the they're doing? Deadline. Yeah. What uh? What do you expect from the Washington quarterback position moving forward? And how much does this hurt? You know. Gibson, I think, is somewhat safe because he's still going to likely get dump-offs, whether it's Allen or Alex Smith there, and he's still going to get the rushing work. We talked about this a little bit Friday and in our our Discord channel that for us, at least for me, I won't say all three of us, but for me, Terry McLaurin was almost quarterback-proof so far. He didn't look it yesterday, and maybe that was due to Allen getting knocked out and Alex Smith coming in. You know, Alex Smith has not played football in over a year at this point, so maybe it's going to take him a game or two to kind of get back into football shape if he has to start again, if Allen doesn't get at, get out of concussion protocol. But I think now, after watching the game yesterday, I'm more worried about McLaurin than I was coming into the game. Yeah, and I sort of changed, you know, I said if you're going to make a change and start somebody else, it should be Smith. Uh, I watched him play. I'm not sure that he is better than Kyle Allen uh, anymore, and that that hurts a little bit. I would think Smith probably going to get the start. It's a feel good story at least for Washington, but they they looked really bad yesterday, and I don't think the Rams are exceptional on defense, so that would give me uh, a moment of pause. But they still get two games with Dallas. Every, anybody looks good against Dallas. They still get to play the Giants. Um, Anybody looks good there. The Eagles, not much of it of defense. And to be honest, their division leader is still two and three. They're only a game out of first, uh, even though they haven't won since opening weekend. So they could turn around a little bit, um, but I'm with you. It makes me a little nervous about Terry McLaren uh, going forward. I think it's not just that he had been quarterback proof. He actually had a connection with Haskins going back to their college days. Even when Haskins wasn't doing very well, 
last year or this year he was finding his friend Terry. That's not necessarily the same kind of situation that he's going to have with a Kyle Allen or a Alex Smith. It might actually be the worst, his chemistry with Alex Smith, because we don't know how many reps they got together and what exactly they got to um, play and go together. But nothing about the offense looked that great yesterday. It certainly it was exciting that Smith got in the game, but I don't know that it meant that much for them going forward. All right, next up, we've got the uh, Bengals and the Ravens. Ravens won this one 27-2-3. Joe Burrow just four points, Mixon 15, T. Higgins 10, and Tyler Boyd 8. Should the Bengals just move on from A.J. Green? Got a hamstring injury in this one. Haven't heard the severity on it yet. At least I haven't. Is it time to just kind of move on? I also don't know if you saw they they caught footage on the sideline of Green appearing to have a heated discussion with the coach where he appeared to say at one point, just trade me. Um, so that I think made some people speculate, you know, how injured was he? Is he really injured? Is it not a good fit? Is it not a, um, some analysts had pointed to a pass kind of over the middle where it looked like green didn't make a great effort for it uh, and let it get intercepted. It seems like that might just be a situation where for the best for both parties to move on. I was surprised they franchise tagged him. Um, It seemed like they were certainly moving toward him being out at the end of last season with how good T Higgins has looked. I I think it would be wise to move on. The question is you got a guy that's on the franchise tag. So that's a pretty hefty dollar amount and also has not produced much in three years. You know, they may not be looking for huge value back from him, but I don't even know if you can find takers. Yeah, that that's kind of the the interesting thing. I, I don't know what you could get from me. He's a, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame wide receiver. I do think he'll make the Hall of Fame with what he did with Cincinnati. But I mean, I would be surprised if a team gives a fifth or sixth for him at this point. Like he just he, as you mentioned, he hasn't shown anything in three years. And I mean, outside of Again, he looked great fantasy-wise in week one, but outside of that, he hasn't done much. So um, I do think they need to. I think we all kind of thought that when they brought in T. Higgins, it was like, well, okay, they found the replacement for A.J. Green moving forward, and he's looked better than A.J. Green out there on the field as well. So I do think it's time for them just to (coughs) – sorry, excuse me, uh, just move on from him. On – Fire! Oh, well, the Falcons just fired their special teams coach as well. That that just came across on my phone here. Uh, the Baltimore. He was the uh, one guy not in contention to be the interim head coach. So he's yeah, I go. guess so. Yeah. Uh, on Baltimore side here, Lamar thirteen points, Mark Ingram five, J.K. Dobbins eight, um, Marquise Hollywood Brown nineteen, and Mark Andrews seventeen. Uh, pretty typical day for Baltimore defense. Uh, winning out, winning the game here. Them trying to do a lot on the run. Are you worried yeah. at all about this Baltimore offense? Because I was having a chat about this earlier today, and I'm a little worried about Lamar. I mean, I think you're still starting Lamar. You're still starting Andrews. Uh, Brown is a decent piece. It's what we talked about before. You know, it was nice that Ingram got 11 carries, which feels like it was his season high, but he still only got 57 yards and no touchdowns. I don't feel comfortable starting any of the running backs. 
so I they look good. They had a solid win. I think they're going to be a playoff contender. I don't think they're going to be as explosive for fantasy rich as last year. And, you know, I don't think what we saw yesterday changed much of how you're approaching it. Andrews is in your lineup. Jackson's in your lineup because he has upside. Brown has some upside as kind of a flex receiver, wide receiver three probably. And running backs, you know, there's unfortunately a lot of people that are going to be having to start one or two or all three of those guys because of injuries, unexpected buys and everything else, but it doesn't look great. Yeah, for me, and and I said this in there, and I know a lot of people, I say this and people think I'm immediately hating on Lamar Jackson, but what I've brought up, I've watched a little bit of their games the past couple weeks, and I'm going to point out that for me, I don't think their run game looks as great. Lamar aside, Lamar is still dynamic when he's running the ball, but their run game aside, if you actually look at it based on the breakdown from last year to this year, there's not much of a difference from the amount of times they're running the ball and their actual yards per carry. It's pretty much matched up, but to me, it doesn't look as explosive as it did last year. I also do not think Lamar is throwing the ball typically well, very well. And and something that I was having a discussion with a Ravens fan in one of uh, one of my fantasy groups, uh, we were talking about this, and he brought up, he's like, well, you know, he, he definitely looked better last year than he has so far this year. And I wonder if that's, and it's something I brought up last year and I got heavily criticized for it, was that maybe because when they started off the season, they played a lot of really bad teams. They played yeah. a lot of really bad teams. And Lamar still, in my opinion, struggles to throw the ball accurately. He can. There was a, a throw against the Browns. I, I, I talked about it in that chat. He threw a ball to Marquise Hollywood Brown that was on a frozen rope. That elite quarterbacks make those throws. But he doesn't do it consistently enough. And we've seen it now the past couple of weeks. He has not put up that much fantasy points. This is kind of why... Well, the three of us have talked about you never draft a quarterback early. Those people who took Lamar Jackson in the second round now of their drafts are struggling because he is not putting up those 30-point games that he has in last year. I feel good about it because it's making it look better that he's going to finish right around QB5 or lower like I predicted earlier in the year. I'm a little worried about him. It does seem like something we talked about with the Chiefs game. If it's a close game, which this game was for a little while, the the, the Ravens didn't really put this away till, toward the end of the third quarter. If the game is close or the Ravens get behind and they have to throw the ball more, they just seem to be struggling this year. And I don't know if that's something defensive have figured out a way to slow down Lamar. What? I can't say I'm not a defensive coordinator, but to me, he just doesn't look quite as explosive or as good throwing the ball last year as he does this year. So I, I don't – it's still yeah, early. That's definitely what's going to impact uh, the running game a little bit too is because they're coming up and defending against the run. Uh, and then, you know, he's not, they, they want him to, to beat them and he's not yeah. doing it. Um, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to see. He hasn't been incredible, but he hasn't been terrible. It's, yeah. it's me. You're still you're still getting okay. You know, it's almost like Mahomes last year coming off the year where he threw 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. Anything he did was bound to be a little bit of a letdown. I think Jackson's still going to finish as a QB one. Probably. I mean, you, you could be right that he's, he'll be five. He could be lower than five, honestly, because what we, 
have really seen is the explosion. They're letting Russell Wilson off the chain. We've seen Josh Allen explode. There's enough guys that are having baller seasons that he could get pushed down. If you took him as a starter, you could still feel good about a starter. But you are right. The people that, you know, in in my in one of my redraft leagues, both he and Mahomes won his first round picks. Yeah. That's a gamble that's not really paying off for you. Yeah. Yeah, man. The emergence of Aaron Rodgers, who's all of a sudden looked like uh, he did a couple years ago. It's it's funny to say the emergence of Aaron Rodgers. I know, right? I, know. Did you see that, uh, I don't think we ever brought it up. Did you see that quote he had on the Pat McAfee show? I love that, dude. Uh, uh, he um he was in a, he does like a weekly spot now on the the Pat McAfee show, and mm. they were talking about, hey, you know, like is it because you're you're in this year, the offense for the second year with Matt LaFleur, you know, that your numbers are better and you're playing better? And he's like, you know, I can't remember the exact words on it. You'll have to watch it because it's it, it, McAfee's reaction to it is, is what makes it so good as well. But his quote, for the most part, was pretty much, it's funny to me when people talk about my numbers because a down year for me is a career year for most quarterbacks. And I was like, hot damn Aaron Rodgers. I love it because he's right. I mean, he's a hundred percent right. He's an elite quarterback, and it's just funny to me how many people counted him out. And I, I love that he's kind of getting his right now because there was a lot of people, especially when and we weren't we weren't talking about the Jordan Love experience coming to Green Bay anytime soon. Uh, but there were a lot of people who thought his time might be done. And oh, in fact, that's why we were a lot of people wrong. Jordan Love because yeah. it seemed like he could be three, if not four, years away from even ever seeing the field, and that certainly looks like the case right now. Yeah. And so I, I will will say one more thing on Lamar because I know a lot of people think when I say bad things about him that I'm hating on him. I will say this that it is also only week four or week five. I'm sorry. There, mm-hmm. there. He could very easily turn it up and be the same guy going into next year. We, we're still kind of working out the kinks of this very weird year. I'm just pointing out kind of what I've seen from him so far because again. Yes, they beat the crap out of the Browns in week one, but he did not particularly look good in that game either. And I thought maybe that was just a COVID thing with no preseason and all this stuff, but he he just hasn't moved on. He really hasn't looked much better the rest of the year either. So that was all I wanted to say. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with him moving forward. I like it because I think it gives the Browns a better shot of actually beating them here in a couple or like eight weeks from now. But uh, I will have no doubt, and I will say Lamar is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So don't take me saying worried about him as, as he's he's not good. He's he's elite. The Texans get off the schneid, as well as uh, every winless team that plays the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, every time, If you're winless and you play Jacksonville, expect to win because that's who they lose to. Uh, they lose 32, or win, I'm sorry, the Texans win 32-14 in this one. Minshew, 19 points, James Robinson, 10, DJ Chark, 4, and LaVisca Chenault, 14. Chark injured his ankle in this one, missed most of the fourth quarter. If he misses time, has Chenault shown enough for you to be the play moving forward? Yeah, I like I like Chenault. I think he has the most upside. I also thought Colin Johnson did decent uh, yesterday Johnson. when he came in. The Jaguars, if nothing else, they're they're doing a youth movement. Um, so you know we've seen for the reasons that Dennis and I thought maybe Chris Connolly would do well. You're seeing these other guys do well because they decide. It looks like they're really making a concerted effort to play their younger players to try to get them some experience to build something up, even if they aren't winning. 
they're at least a fun team to watch. They do look like they are going to be the team we thought they were. That week one win kind of and how Minshew came out on a tear kind of made you think, hey, maybe they maybe they're going to be surprisingly frisky. They're now one and four. I think they're you know a two to four win team. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say is, and it's kind of the same thing as last year, at least they're putting up fantasy points. Like Minshew is is good enough that he's he's providing value for a lot of these guys. I do think it was just a weird game for James Robinson. I'm not quite worried about him just yet. They still don't have anybody really there competing with him. Uh, but I'm with you. I like Colin Johnson. He was a guy that I really liked coming out of Texas. Uh, big body, red zone threat. I think, uh, you know, if Chark is the mission, Nolts, the guy for me, uh, but Colin Johnson might be a, a worthy flex play, depending on how, is, how bad your lineups are. It is interesting to me that uh, a few days after Jay Gruden talked about needing to get James Robinson the ball more, he has his worst game yeah. of the season. So. Well, that's Jay Gruden for you, though, right? I mean, we, we saw that a lot in, uh, in Washington Jay, as well. please don't talk about anyone that we need yeah. to be successful. You can talk about Chris Thompson and Chris Conley till your heart's content. <laughs> On Houston's side, Deshaun Watson, 24 points. David, uh, sorry, David Johnson, 12 points. Brandon Cooks has his breakout game, 30 points. Will Fuller, 15, and Darren Fells, 13. Are the Texans turning it around, or was this just a win one for the Gipper and Romeo Cornell after the firing of Bob, Bill O'Brien? I was trying to remember what his name was yeah. there for some reason. Bill O'Brien. I feel like this was the warm embrace of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And also Brandon Cooks probably uh, heard that a lot of people thought he was no longer fantasy relevant. So he wanted to put up one game so that you put him back into your lineups for the next five weeks when he gives you five points combined. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll give it to him, man. He was fired up though. Every yeah. catch he was jumping up, all throwing up the arrows, everything. He was, well, but he was in. So, it. O'Brien wasn't calling the plays for them at all when, while yeah. he was there because he had made the, you know, we have to, I guess, watch and see if Adam Gase gets fired tomorrow after he talked about giving up play calling because that was Bill O'Brien. I'm going to take play calling back. Nope. No, you're not. Yeah. You're out of the building. So it's not even like, oh, we have a new play caller, uh, you know, and Romeo Cornell is a defensive guy. Yeah. That might explain why their defense maybe got – kick in the pants that they needed but i i think it's the matchup i'm not, i'm gonna i need to see the texans offense light it up but they did play a brutal schedule yeah but they should have been able to put up something against the vikings and when they didn't that that was sort of a red flag it's good to see you doing well against a team that's been generous you know the jaguars game is the one game this year philip rivers looked like uh, a starting quarterback too so I mean, it's good that you took advantage there. I'm glad Brandon Cooks got involved. Cobb wasn't too bad either. Um, you know, maybe they're kind of figuring it out, but I, I need to see it against a real defense. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and and I hope they do. Uh, you know, we did talk about the the NFL schedule makers did the Texans no favors by the way they set up that schedule to begin the season, and that's one of the reasons why I talked about possibly Bill O'Brien being fired because I didn't see a way for them to make the playoffs because I did think they'd start out zero and four just based on their schedule alone. So. It'll be interesting moving forward. I, I don't trust Cooks. The one thing I did find interesting in this one is uh, 
whenever Jordan Aikens or Darren Fells does not play, the other one always has a good game. So I think if Jordan Aikens yeah. is out, Darren Fells is a tight end that you can play and vice versa. If Fells is out, Aikens has a good game. So that might be something to watch moving forward because they, they've had fantasy relevance this year when it's just been one or the other playing in the game. Yeah. Next up, the Dolphins, probably the most surprising game out of the weekend, in my opinion. Dolphins just yeah, destroying definitely. the 49ers, 43-17. to Fitzpatrick, 27 points. Miles Gaskin, 20. Preston Williams, 20. Devontae Parker, 13. And Mike Gesicki, 14 points. Are we taking anything away from this? Obviously, finally, Preston Williams has that big breakout game again. You guys are all welcome. I traded him away. Finally, he decides to show up. When I, I could have used him, he would have started for me this week instead. Again, I started Deontay Johnson, who I traded him right. away for. Uh, do you take anything away from this, though? Look like Gusecki finally was kind of connecting, or is it just one of those things where this is one of those games where you know you're going to see it. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to have one of those magical games where all of a sudden he's keeping two at bay now for another couple weeks until he throws five interceptions, and we're right back where we were a couple weeks ago. I think the Dolphins have these kind of games. I'm, I'm hopeful this is a sign of getting Preston Williams more involved and getting him uh, kind of going. It was good to see Mike Gusecki catch more than one pass for 15 yards. He didn't get in the end zone, but he actually looked pretty good. Um, but I think a takeaway for me more is the 49ers have some problems. Yeah. Well, and hey, we talked about that this year. I, I said I thought that would be the most interesting thing was I did not think their defense was going to be as good. Now, I did not predict Bosa going out, Richard Sherman getting hurt, but that defense did lose a couple pieces in the offseason. I, I was a little bit worried about them. On San Francisco's side here, Jimmy Garoppolo, negative .9 points, unless you played in, in Scott Fishbowl scoring, in which place he scored you negative 14 points. So that was uh, good on you. Holy cow. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. Lucky me. I was in my Scott Fishbowl. Looks like I'm going to go to two wins now because the guy I was playing had Jimmy Garoppolo, and I was very appreciative of that. Uh, Raheem Mostert, 14 points. Jarek McKinnon, two. Brandon Ayuk, seven. And George Kittle, eight. Jimmy G obviously looked really bad. We don't know if that was just a performance thing. We did. Kyle Shanahan did kind of intimate that it might add to something to do with the ankle and him not be fully, fully healthy. Yeah. Well, he had if, no power on his throws and no mobility. Yeah. Which kind of tells you maybe he wasn't ready to go. So I guess the big thing, well, let's start with the, the running backs first. Raheem Mostert was back. I guess we just leaned in all Mostert because he was getting most of the carries week one. Looked, yeah. looked a better back here. It's just, it's Raheem Thought Mostert. Like he was gonna, Thought he was going to split, but he came out and he got most of the yeah. work and he looked good when he was about the only 49er offensive player that actually looked good at times yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I will say, you know, Kittle, it's just one of those games. He got 13 well, targets. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, I, I saw someone were, talking on Twitter they today were about possibly to trading him away. Him. Yeah, yeah, there was there were people talking about trading him away because he's just been so bad. I'm like, well, uh, he so was bad. hurt for two games. He yeah, scored 40, 40 points last week. Yeah, I was like, calm down. He got 13 targets. Like he was very heavily targeted. He just didn't have a good game. So yeah, I'm with you. It's well, it's think, hard to shine when your quarterback <laughs> play is not good and not very yeah. even. None of those receivers look like that. And Jimmy G just. You know, I I think they he probably wasn't ready, and they put him back. But yeah. the real question is, was that a setback? Also, uh, which it very well could be. 
you know, the 49ers have, have a real problem. It, I would guess if Jimmy G can't go, CJ Beathard is the one that goes in because Nick Mullins didn't look much know, better. Yeah. I, well, he looked good one game, but then kind of really fell off. Yeah. Uh, but that, I think the 49ers have problems because their division is running away from them right now. Yep. Yeah, it's not uh, not looking good for San Francisco. The best game of yesterday, at least in my opinion, the Browns winning 32-23. On Indy's side here, Phillip Rivers 5 points, Jonathan Taylor 15, and T.Y. Hilton 12 the offense did look bad. They were bad for fantasy. Uh, DeMont, uh, De- see, I keep doing it. Keep DeMonte, Mo Alley Cox. Uh, zero for a Mo Alley Cox here. Jonathan Taylor, is he the only one that you are starting right now for fantasy? Yeah, and I don't feel good about it. I think a bigger question for me is you know, they were three and one going into that game. Now they're three and two. They're still sitting pretty decent space in their division. Nobody's exactly run away with it. Tennessee, you will see if they can even get back on the field, what they look like. If they keep looking this way, they, the reason they signed Rivers allegedly was to take a yeah. potentially playoff core and get them in there. And, I mean, he looked really bad yesterday. Do you yep. look at, at Jacob Eason? Do you look at going back to Brissett? Because they still seem like they have a core of a team that could be a playoff contender, but not with what they're getting in a competitive game. Yeah, so, I mean, we talked about this. All, we kind of all felt bad when we did our predictions here. That that was kind of our biggest thing is none of us, the three of us were not believers in, in Phillip Rivers. We all kind of thought that, while, yes, some of it was due to the bad offensive line in uh, San Diego last year that they were – or Los Angeles, I'm sorry, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers uh, was some of the problem for Phillip Rivers last year, but he also just played bad, and he was horrible. I mean, the pick six that he threw yesterday, like I saw that coming, and I'm like, dude, like how, how do you make that throw – but I do think some of that had to do with Miles Garrett yesterday. Miles Garrett was all over him. He was destroying that offensive line. They did have their left tackle out yesterday in that one. I'm honestly worried about Jonathan Taylor, too. Again, I watched that whole game. The way that they were mixing in Naheem Hines was just outstanding to me because Taylor was gashing the Browns at times. The Browns have had a really good run defense, and Taylor was still getting a lot of really good plays. And then they would bring Naheem Hines in there, and he'd get like two yards. And then they'd run him again for another two yards. I'm like, Jonathan Taylor just ripped us for eight. And now you're putting Naheem Hines in. So I don't understand that. I will say I'm not as worried about T.Y. Hilton uh, because Phillip Rivers missed him last week. He had a couple good plays this week. What Are, are you worried at all about him? What are your thoughts on Hilton? Uh, I'm not big on Hilton. Uh, you know, I think his best – kind of plays have been as a super <laughs> vertical threat. And that just doesn't seem like being a, you know, good, good on him. He had a double digit game. I think that's his first of the season first. and they have, they literally have no receivers. I mean, he's competing with Zach Pascal and somebody named Durbin or Doolin or Doolin. whatever. Ashton Doolin. Yeah. It could he's be Ashton Kutcher for all I care. <laughs> I mean, it's not, no. You know, the, they, they didn't even get their tight ends involved yesterday. They didn't get a lot of passing to uh, backs yesterday. Just yeah. they don't look good as a passing offense. 
So I will say on, on the tight end thing, I wouldn't panic too much if you own Mo Alley Cox. Uh, they made that a point to take away the tight end yesterday. That's what Joe Woods talked about. He said he felt that Mo Alley Cox was kind of Philip Rivers' go-to guy because I mean I don't think he was trying to throw shade, but he was saying he didn't see a lot of uh, Philip Rivers going deep earlier in the season, so they knew they had to take away Mo Alley Cox, uh, and that's what they did. They had safeties blanketing him the entire game. Uh, sucks for someone who started Mo Alley Cox and hopes because of how bad the linebackers had been for Cleveland, uh, but they they did make it a a a point of emphasis to take him away. And they did that yesterday. So not quite as worried about Mo Alley Cox moving forward, but that was a, the pride of Mahomes. That's right. Yes, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was one of those uh, low end sleepers for a lot of people last year in Ashton Doolin, though. I don't think he was drafted by the Colts. I think they picked him up after the fact he got drafted by somebody else. But anyways, I think for Cox, it's to me, it's not just a low volume passing offense. It's the fact they're also still using three tight ends. Well, yeah, I am actually, I am actually fading all of them because they're, until we can see them a more consistent passing game, which we haven't gotten in five weeks now, yeah. or them honing in on specific targets, what's going to happen when Pittman and or Paris Campbell comes back off, if off IR? Back. I'm worried about that. Well, there was a lot of talk. Uh, again, I'm, I'm obviously we're all big Paris Campbell fans on here. There was a lot of talk that Campbell may not come back this season. So I'm I'm worried that he won't. And then I mean you've talked about it. I know Dennis talked about it because his wife went through this with the with the I can't remember what it's called. Is it compartment leg syndrome or whatever it was that happened yeah. with Pittman? Like there's a realistic shot he may not come back either. So I, I'm with All you. Right. Well, so then I'm, you still only have nine people that he's spreading the yeah. ball around to instead of yeah. eleven. That's it's this. That's more of what is troubling. Cox had his big games when Burton was on IR and Doyle was out with an injury. Yeah. Now they're both back, and we thought, well, that won't matter. It has kind of mattered. They use all three. They target all three. This is not like an offense where Phillip Rivers is completing 35 passes for 300 yards every week. He's completing like 12 passes for 12 yards every week. That's more of a yeah. concern. Yeah. Well, that's – yeah, I will agree with you that Phillip Rivers is more a concern for me than, than the weapons because he's just – he has not looked good, and and when you can't get the ball to your weapons, they can't do anything with it. So on the Brown side here, Baker Mayfield, 15 points, Hunt, 18, Jarvis Landry, 12, Odell, 11, and Austin Hooper, 10. Um, you know, for me, Hooper's been getting more involved, so if you're a Hooper owner, you got to be excited about that. They are really actually starting to target him more now. Part of me does think that br- that's because Bryant got hurt early in this one and Joku was just coming back. Still not sold on know. Hooper. All those Hayden Hooper, Hayden Hurst versus Austin Hooper better season bets are so the people with Hayden Hurst are starting to to feel real bad. Oh well, yeah, because Hurst. Yeah, well, again, I, I wasn't on Hurst anyways, but uh, you know, I'll say a little disappointing. I think for me, for Baker, uh, if you go and look at his stats, he was like fifteen of twenty three for two hundred yards and two touchdowns in the first half. And then was two of eight for three yards or eight yards. I think it was eight yards and two interceptions in the entire second half of the game. Uh, that's something I posted on Twitter. They've got to find ways to 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 kill these games away because this is two weeks in a row that they've almost given the game back. Now, some of that wasn't on the offense and defense. Obviously, when you let the uh, special teams take a kickoff 101 yards back right after you just got a pick six doesn't help you at all. Uh, but all in all, I do think that, uh, you know, I'm, I am a little worried 
Baker got beat up, beat up a little bit in this one. The the chest injury said he hurt his ribs, probably wearing a flak jacket for Pittsburgh. He said he's going to play. Uh, you know, Odell, Landry, both looked good. Hunt looked good. I, I do think they kind of dispelled the wondering if Dearness Johnson is going to be anything. It was like an 82, I think. Not. Yeah, it was like an 85 to 15%. He'll be something in, in the same so, way that Gus Edwards was something last year yeah. when Baltimore was winning as, big. As long as Hunt stays healthy, he's going to be the guy. Now, I would be a little worried. He did pull up a little bit in the fourth quarter there. That's why Dearness Johnson came in and did get the big run to kind of to salt the game away. Uh, but he did come off the field. Steal. It didn't even look – it looked like a hamstring injury too when he went over the sideline, not the groin. So haven't seen anything about that. Uh, the Browns are beat up a lot. They have a tough game moving forward. But all in all, I think – you know, Jarvis has started to look like he's getting more and more involved in the offense. So I think you're you're good to roll with those top four guys. Well, Baker depends on what quarterback you have. Uh, Hunt, Landry, and OBJ, I think you're good rolling with him and possibly even Hooper now with him getting more and more involved. Cowboys, Giants. Uh, Cowboys get, I guess, in a way, a moral victory here with a 37-34 win over Gi- the Giants. Uh, Daniel Jones, 8 points. Devonta Freeman, 16. Darius Slayton, 20. And Evan Ingram, 9. Uh, a better game here for the Giants, but this was probably the best matchup for them in a get-right game, which they still lose. Jones does not come through for you. Uh, continuing to struggle with those turnovers, interceptions, and fumbles. What are your thoughts on Jones? And then did Slayton, Ingram, Freeman do enough to show you that you're willing to give them one more week, or do you think it was more just the matchup? No, I mean, I'm glad Slayton got me what he did because I ended up having to start him with the unexpected buy uh, and with the unexpected Michael Thomas uh, being ruled out because he punched a teammate. Uh, But... This was a get-right soft matchup and still was not a, a very good uh, performance. Freeman looks like he's going to be okay, maybe have nominal flex value because he was double digits last week. He's getting dump-offs, and he does seem to be kind of taking over as their lead rusher. Um, Slayton probably is a low-end flex. You know, only takes a couple good passes to really make it, and he's their best option there. But Jones looks terrible. Jones looks like he's regressed. He looks like he's a QB three at best. Yeah. I mean, Evan Ingram could have had a bigger game here. They called the, the fake punt back, which he would have gotten a touchdown on, got a rushing touchdown in this one, not even a receiving touchdown. So that's a, you know, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm hopeful Slayton can keep doing this, but yeah, I'm with you. I think it kind of goes back to the Phillip rivers discussion. We were just having when your quarterback is playing this bad, it affects your weapons all around. And if Daniel Jones is going to continue to turn the ball over, that's going to affect Slayton. For Dallas here, Dak gets you 13 points, Dalton 2, Ezekiel Elliott 23, CeeDee Lamb 20, Michael Gallup 11, and what do you know, Amari Cooper just for points. He'll have 28 next week, guys, so don't panic. I've I've learned not to doubt Amari Cooper. Cooper Um, did have probably the most important play of the game, though. When Dallas was backed up and and needing a drive, he got a ball that he – took for a big first down that seemed to spark them he was not yeah. hugely involved but he and yeah, Gallup um, on that last drive yeah, I was about to say, not, Gallup, they had nothing Gallup, going yeah. into that drive as somebody who was playing them in a few places and both of them really kind of stepped up in the clutch yeah. and that was when Dalton was their yep. quarterback which makes you wonder you know maybe he'll have a little bit of a better veteran connection there 
Yeah, so is Dalton worth a pickup if you own Dak or if you don't own Dak? Yeah, I think Andy Dalton's throughout his career with lesser supporting yeah. cast than what he'll have in Dallas has been a decent fantasy quarterback. He may not have always been the most clutch playoff performer, but he's always been a pretty reliable and pretty successful guy, and that's why they brought him there. And he has an exceptional supporting cast. I think he – I mean – you know, if you're talking about, would you rather have him or Philip Rivers or Daniel Jones or some of these guys, or even Baker? You know, no offense to Baker, yeah, but no. I think Dalton Dallas also looks like they're going to be a team that's going to continue to have to throw because even against soft offenses, their defense isn't incredible. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Dalton is a guy, when you really go back and look at it, he was always finishing right in between that, like, 10 to 14 area for fantasy. He was always a good quarterback. You know, I, I put this out on Twitter when everybody was kind of panicking about Dak and the Cowboys. I'm like, look, you know, I've never been the, the biggest Cowboys supporter, but number one, they're in probably the worst division in football right now. And all honesty has been kind of the past couple of years. He's got the best team around him he's ever had around him. And remember, he took the Bengals to the playoffs multiple times with less weapons, a worse offensive line, and Marvin Lewis as his head coach and Hugh Jackson as offensive coordinator. Like, he's in an all-around better situation. I I think Dalton is going to be just fine. You know, I was curious to see if they try to lean more on Zeke. Now, obviously, losing uh, Tyron Smith earlier this week is not going to help with that because that offensive line gets hurt. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try and lean a little bit more on Zeke. That's how they started this team out to begin with, with Dak and, and leaning more on Zeke in the run. Um, but I, I still think all three wide receivers have great value because Andy Dalton is a really good – he is a good quarterback. He is better than your average backup. He is an average NFL quarterback, and now you have him going in there. You know, yes, it's going to take him probably a week or two to fully get integrated into the playbook, but – Moving forward, I'm with you. I think Dalton's a worthy pickup if you have Dak. You know, you just mentioned it. Their defense is so bad, so he may not throw it 50 times a game like Dak did, but he's probably going to throw it 35, and Dalton's good enough to put up points. So I'm with you. Dalton is a a worthy pickup, and if you're a Cowboys fan, I would not be panicking too much. I I do think even losing Dak, and that does suck, and we can obviously talk about that here for a minute, but getting having a guy like Andy Dalton, we talked about it. You know, as much crap as everybody wants to give Jerry Jones, that was a great move by him, and and now that's yeah. going to pay off huge for them, right? There. And I think if you're Dallas, if you really want to, very true, very true. At this point, it's a question. It's possible. Uh, no, it is. He's Who's better, better than him? Kyle well, Allen, not, Daniel Jones, or well, yeah, well that's what I'm, oh, I'm not. Wentz, I'm not willing yeah, to I mean, say that he's, he's been bad, but yeah, I will give you that. I will oh, say Wentz, Wentz is no at least a little either. bit better real life. But go ahead. So Dallas, if you were going to panic, to me it would be about Tyron Smith gone for the year. Their line has been, uh, you know, was once a strength is now a little bit of a question, and that defense, man, you got you. At some point in time, if you can't stop anybody, you can't win games. Yeah. Uh, we make jokes about them being two and three and in first place, but you know they're going to have to actually be able to make some stops. Yeah, so on Dak, obviously it sucks. We talked about it a little bit earlier. You know, I guess the question is, we've seen Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones kind of come out and intimate that he's going to be back with the team next year. They said that they feel he'll be back in the starting position. 
I'm honestly not that worried about it. If I'm a dynasty owner of Dak, you're going to put him on IR. I mean, you know, we saw Alex Smith play this weekend. You know, we've seen Teddy Bridgewater has had a really good year so far. Both those guys, you know, this is not an overstatement, literally could have lost their legs uh, when their injuries happened. They've both come back and done this now. Is a horrific injury that happened to Dak, but it's not something that's anywhere near career ending. It's not anything that should stunt him at all. He's going to be fine, in my opinion. I mean, he he showed enough. The biggest thing is going to be if it's not with Dallas, it's going to be with some someone's going to give Dak a shot. So I think if you own him in Dynasty, there's no reason to panic. Unfortunately, it sucks because you're losing the number one or two quarterback right now. I think maybe Wilson's probably got more points than him. Uh, but you, you're losing out on one of the top quarterbacks in fantasy right now, but you're going to be fine moving forward. Yeah, dude, it could be more than a one-year injury, though. You think so? I mean, you're saying it's no way career-threatening. I saw some people who have medical background who said that is something that you would have to watch, that it, you know – that it could be, could be a problem. We saw that even with a young, strong player like Tua when he broke his hip. I think part of the reason we yeah. don't see him out there right now is that the, he's still working on his way back. There is, I think, there is a possibility Dak's not back in a hundred percent for twenty twenty one. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was. I want to say it's Dr. Chow, I think is his name. He does a lot of stuff on Sirius XM radio, and he was talking about the fact that he didn't think it was going to be like it's a serious injury, but in the fact that he doesn't think it's going to to threaten Dak at all moving forward. It's something that well, can be rehabbed not. and good moving forward. Hopefully not, but you know, I still think it's a little early too. Um, yeah, you know, I read a lot of people the fact that they took him to the hospital and performed surgery right away when those kind of injuries, they typically like to wait and see the swelling go down, tells you that they were worried about nerve damage. Those kind of things, you know. I Yeah, I mean, the foot was turned the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, it was a compound compound fracture and dislocation of the ankle. It's, you know, and Dak is somebody, too, who we've noted – has been a guy that part of the reason he's been super elite too is what he gives you in the running game or yesterday, his touchdown was not a passing touchdown. He went and caught the old Philly special. What does it do to his mobility a little bit long-term? I mean, there are still some questions. I, I'm not, I have a ton of dynasty leagues. I'm not dumping him. And I think if Dallas doesn't give him a big contract, they're going to be shamed out of football. And if they don't, somebody will. I, from that standpoint, I don't worry. But it could be a little bit to be back to what we've we've been accustomed to seeing. Last game on the docket here is Seattle pulling off a huge win against Minnesota in the last seconds of this one. Kirk Cousins, 14 points. Dalvin Cook, 19. Alexander Madison, 16. Adam Thielen, 29. Justin Jefferson, 5. And Irv Smith, 10. Irv Smith finally gets going a little bit here. Cook got hurt. If he misses time, do you expect Madison to be a top 10 play? I will say that a... uh, Dang it, where'd it go? Dalvin Cook's MRI today went pretty well. We'll see how he does during practice this week to determine if he will play. That is from Coach Mike Zimmer on the MRI that dropped about five minutes ago. So your thoughts on Madison and Cook? Well, first of all, do we trust that Zimmer read it correctly? Because when they were talking about at the end of the game, uh, 
you know, him having had eight surgeries on one eye and two surgeries on the other. Holy well, Moses. I, I, I don't know if I realized that that was the case. To to quote uh, my good friend Baker Mayfield, he did not stay at a Holiday Inn last night, so he doesn't know how to read X-rays or MRIs. Because a, a yeah. reporter asked him about that. I don't know if you saw that. They go, yeah. did you get a chance to look at your X-rays on your ribs, and do you know what it's like? And he's like, I did not stay at a Holiday Inn last night. I do not know how to read X-rays, so I cannot answer that for you. But go ahead. Continue. Yeah, yeah poor Zimmer. It, you know, I know he's going to get second guess too, for going for it on fourth down. I actually kind of liked the call going for it on fourth down. If you convert that short run, and they had been running all over Dallas with two running backs, you convert that – or Seattle. You, you convert that short run, that game is over. Unfortunately, it doesn't work out for him. But Madison looked uh, really good. Um, a lot of people have looked good against Seattle's uh, – defense so i'll be curious to see if he can keep it up but i think they want to run the ball they have had a lot of success running the ball and he does have you know if he's going to get cook's volume he's a very intriguing fantasy play very appealing fantasy play yeah i mean madison we've seen it last year and uh was it even two years ago when cook's week cook's missed time Madison can step up and be the guy we know with Mike Zimmer there. He likes to micromanage his offensive coordinators and only allows him to throw the ball a certain amount of times. Anyways, any running back in that system is going to be good. I'm with you. If Cook is going to be out, and I would think he would based on – I only saw the highlights. I did not watch a lot of that game last night, but I was watching it today when I got home. And and he looked hurt. So I would imagine – Zimmer's probably being positive. I would think Cook misses at least a week, or if if he plays this week, I do think he'll be somewhat limited. So I think Madison still could be a good play moving forward. Um, Herb Smith, uh, I, I need to see it one more week before I buy into, but it was good to see him out there and actually getting yeah. plays. We've kind of been waiting for that. Worried at all about Justin Jefferson, or is this just one of those things where we saw last year with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, you know, one has that really big game a couple weeks, then it goes to the other guy and then kind of switches back and forth. Yeah. I'm not necessarily worried, but you know, I, I don't think I was expecting Jefferson to be a high end wide receiver two every week. We think Thielen's probably a wide receiver one Jefferson in that two to three range. Um, you know, he had about the same kind of game as Lockett. Yeah. Speaking of Lockett, on Seattle's side, Wilson 24, Carson 19, DK Metcalf 27, and Tyler Lockett 8. I'm sorry, Will Disley 8 as well uh, with Lockett. For the Seahawks, are you really only starting the core four here in Wilson, Carson, Lockett, and Metcalf? Yep. Uh, You know, I think Olsen could have a good game. Disley caught a touchdown last night, could have a good game. We've seen David Moore pop up. Those are really desperation options. I think it's those core four. And as we've seen in a couple of these games, you might only get three or four of them having a big game yep. in any given week. DK Metcalf's a stud, man. He is a stud. You, I love that. Hear what Wilson said. He he wants to be the next Joe Montana and thinks DK will be his Jerry Rice. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, look, I – I love that kid coming out of college. I, I kept him at I, – I think I moved him to two. I'm trying to remember who I moved over him. or Did I keep him at one? Because I, I did keep him at one because everybody else was all in on Nikhil Harry, which kind of leads to some of my Nikhil Harry hate. This was before you really started joining us on the podcast. But me and Dennis that year had a lot of guests come on, and everybody was about Nikhil Harry, and I would get ridiculed. Rightly so for the Hakeem Butler talk because I didn't have Hakeem Butler in my top five. But I loved – I loved – uh, DK Metcalf, and I still like AJ Brown, even despite the landing spot in the Titans, and, and both those guys have worked out. I think you, it, 
Abil- your ability matters, and it doesn't matter that DK Metcalf can, can't run every single route in the route tree. Not every wide receiver can. DK Metcalf is a stud. He is a serious stud. I, I am nothing but happy for that kid, and I, I hope he stays with Seattle. I think him and Russell Wilson are the perfect pairing. All right, Dennis could not be with us today, but he did send us some Thrive Fantasy bets for the game tonight, which I think is going to be really good between the Chargers and the Saints. Start with the Chargers side here really quick. Justin Herbert, 262.5 yards. Are you going over or under? Over. I think I'm going to go over as well, but I think it's going to be close. I, 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 yeah, 275 feels about right for me. Uh, Joshua Kelly, 45.5 rushing yards over or under? I'm going to go under. As am I, because I think Justin Jackson is going to be a little bit more involved than some people think. I do think and Kelly probably scored tonight. Saints are pretty good against the run. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think Kelly scores tonight because, I, and, you know, we talked about this on Friday. I think they are going to use him down in the goal line a lot, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think he gets a lot of rushing work. Keenan Allen, who... Since just, I don't know if you've seen this, since Justin Herbert took over as a starter, he's getting 13 targets a game. He has over 300 yards in those three games that Justin Herbert's been the starter. No touchdowns, though. That's what sucks. But he's been phenomenal. He's not missing throwers. I feel like we talked about this last year, too. Like, Keenan Allen was putting up all kinds of points and just wasn't scoring touchdowns with Phillip Rivers last year, too. Like, it's just, it's been one of those weird things for Allen. But 79.5 reception yard or receiving yards tonight, over or under. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over, and I'm taking the over on 6.5 receptions. I think, I mean, Williams is still beat, uh, beat up. I, I think it's Allen. Yeah. I mean, it may be people may think that's a lot, but again, I just said he's been averaging 13 targets and or not. It's more targets. I'm sorry. 13 receptions with Justin Herbert at quarterback. I mean, six is that's half of it. Saints defense has not been quite as good against the pass as we think they've got one good quarterback in Lattimore. That's it. Like Jenkins and coming over has not helped that passing defense at all on the, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hunter Henry, 50.5 receiving yards over or under. I'm going to say under, I feel like 50 yards <laughs> might be exactly it for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but I do think he scores tonight. I think he's going to end up getting a touchdown, but I'm with you. I'm going under on Henry. Uh, Drew Brees, 266.5 passing yards. I'm going to go over. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to say 250 yards. All right. Uh, 2.5 passing touchdowns. I'm going to take the under. I think he only gets two. I'm not as a uh, – I'm going three. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 122.5 total yards. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over. Yeah. And then Emmanuel Sanders, 53.5 receiving yards. I'm taking the over. I'll take the over, but don't squirt, Sanders. I need you to not have a great game tonight. I'm playing you in a couple places. Like, I'll ask you to close it out because I'm a little worried about this. I'm up eight. <laughs> but I've got Herbert. I've got Herbert oh, going. Okay. He's got Emmanuel Sanders. So I'm feeling okay about it, but oh, yeah, knowing, my, that easy. knowing my luck in fantasy this year, I feel like this is going to be an Emmanuel Sanders 10-catch, three-touchdown game, and Justin Herbert's going to shit the bed because that's been my luck with fantasy this year. I think Traquan's the one that's going to get the touchdowns. Sanders has been in the 10 to 15-point range, which has been good, but it's been more like five receptions for 80 yards, which is why I'm going over on the yardage. He hasn't been their big touchdown guy. He's been the moving down the field guy, and Traquan seems to be the red zone 
Traquan, Kamara. Hey, I hope so, because I'll just put it to you this way. In one of the Debbie leagues I'm in, one of the ones I was forced to start, Chase Claypool, who put up 42.6 points in that league, and I'm still probably going to lose. So like that's, that's my fantasy season right there in a nutshell for you. Me and Matt will be back tomorrow. We will recap the Chargers and Saints game, and we'll probably talk a little bit about the Bills and Titans, which I think is going to be a good game in hopes that it no more issues pop up with that, and we'll obviously talk waivers as well. Everybody enjoy the Monday night football game. Good luck. To, well, I guess we can't say good luck to everybody because we still got one more game to go. So hopefully your plays come through for you tonight. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. See ya. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle them the 40 yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>